Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes, as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 16, The Waiting. You know, it's kind of a cliche to quote Tom Petty. But the wait, the waiting, at least for me, I know, is the hardest part. The waiting is the hardest part. I hate to wait. I'm a, I gotta do it now kind of person. Um, I'll tell you, it's funny. I'll tell you another story. When I was a little kid, and we'd gone to Cape Cod in 1980 for our vacation, and The Empire Strikes Back had just come out, and there was a little, you know, convenience store up the street. And they sold Empire Strikes Back cards. You know, the old baseball cards, but they were for the the movie, The Empire Strikes Back. And my cousins had already been there. I don't know if they were there for a day or a couple days. But they had gone and they had had some of these Empire Strikes Back cards. And me being a little brat, I had to get to that store and buy cards now. And I kept at it and kept at it and kept at it and they're trying to tell me it can wait it can wait it can wait but that's was my personality that I had to have it and um and you know funny I'll tell this other story when I was even a littler kid my dad took me into work one time he was a, he was an army officer and he took me in one time and they had a copying machine these are the old old school copying machines and um they showed me how it worked. I couldn't believe it. Like this thing would take a picture, could make a duplicate of something. And of course I went nuts about that until finally they had to make a photocopy of my Snoopy lunchbox. And that kind of satisfied me a little bit. Um, But it was something just got triggered in my head of being able to duplicate this image. And uh, I had to have it. I had to have it. And, you know, coming back to where we are right now, August 8th, 2021, and we're all waiting for the mother of all short squeezes. We're all waiting for, hopefully, our billions, our life-changing money. But what's interesting is I can tell you where I was 33 years ago today. I was in a video store. I was working there. Video is called the Video Bar in Cary, North Carolina. And the reason I know that was 33 years ago today was we had to stamp the dates on the, the video cassettes as they went out. You know, there'd be that case, they had a plastic case around them. And, you know, we would put like the due date or the date they got it out on there. But we were stamping the date 8888. And always one of those things, you know, certain things you always remember your whole life, but I always remember that day, 8888. And one of the things I remember about that day was I was talking with my coworkers about the next time this would happen, which was going to be 9999. And we were all talking about, you know, like, ah, where do we think we'll be September 9th, 1999? Now, for myself, at that time, I was, you know, um, just out of high school. I was, you know, barely in college. I think I was still, uh, yeah, it was just after my my freshman year. 
I was going to be a big, successful filmmaker. I was going to have millions driving Lamborghinis, Porsches. Yeah, I, I kind of knew where I was going to be. Now, something happened along the way. Where was I September 9th, 1999? I was a, a single guy in Burbank, California, struggling to try and make a career for himself. I'd been struggling for a few years then, like eight years. And um, it was hard. You know, you wonder if you made a mistake. Um, and uh, it was not easy. I remember the posters for the MTV, one of their award shows, and they, they featured the 9999. Um, but, you know, I was lucky. I ended up getting a job with Disney, and I was happy about that. That Financially, that really helped save me. And um, uh, I was, you know, it, it was good. And then ego-wise, like, I enjoyed working for Disney. I, it made me proud. Even though things didn't work out in California like I hoped they would, working for Disney was enough. Like, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, but I always remember the waiting, you know, waiting for what was my life going to be by, like, on nine nine ninety nine. And I still think that. I still, when these dates come around where it's the same day, I still, I still think about that. Anyway, um... But what's interesting also about working in a video store was obviously how we consume entertainment has changed so much. It's funny, I recently watched on Prime, Amazon Prime, they had a they have a, a documentary Blockbuster. You know, I think it was Netflix versus the world, but primarily it was about Blockbuster, Netflix and Blockbuster and that relationship. And I've seen documentaries on this before and I've listened to books on it because I think it's a fascinating story. Um, and I always like and there's the the parts of the story of this rivalry that I like are when, you know, Netflix, once they were, you know, struggling and, and just starting, they went to Blockbuster and said, look, let us be your online service, you know, buy our company. And Blockbuster said, well, how much is that going to take? And, um, and Netflix said, well, $50 million. And Blockbuster just kind of, you know, they didn't literally laugh at it, but that's how Netflix felt like they had laughed him out of the room. Like, you want what for what? It didn't work out, and of course, everyone knows what happened after that. But you know, the thing that I watching this new documentary, I didn't quite realize was that so Blockbuster went out and they started their own, you know, video service. Not quite streaming yet, but they had the the mail and discs. The advantage Blockbuster had over Netflix, though, was that you could take your disc to a Blockbuster store and get a movie. You could return your disc to the store and pick up a new movie. You didn't have to wait in the mail. Again, they capitalized on nobody wants to wait, right? Waiting's the hardest part. And Blockbuster had a lot of debt, and they were losing money doing this, but they were getting subscribers. And, and Netflix knew Blockbuster had something they didn't, that you could go to this physical store and exchange it. Now, at this point, Netflix was a much more successful company than they were when they first offered um, to sell themselves to Blockbuster for $50 million. And I think for what I got from the documentary, and forgive me, I don't have the, the exact price. I can't remember it offhand. But Netflix basically went to Blockbuster and said, okay, you guys, congratulations. You know, you, you, you're doing something we can't do. And this is, you know, we, let's, you know, 
I think they wanted to buy Blockbuster at that point. Or, and Blockbuster, they, they had a new CEO, the, the, the head of seven, former head of 7-Eleven. And um, the people that had put all the work in to get the online Blockbuster service going and get them somewhat competitive with Netflix in this realm... You know, they went to the CEO and says, look, you know, Netflix wants to buy us, which would have been a good thing because they had so much debt and Netflix, this debt would have been Netflix's issue then. They would have gotten out of it. Um, and the, the new CEO didn't want to do it. And then from there, every, you know, you know what happened. Blockbuster, you know, went bankrupt, basically. Now there's one store left, uh, oddly enough, in Bend, Oregon. Um, it's about almost three hours away from where I live, so I haven't I haven't gone there to rent a movie yet. But I imagine one time we'll. Bend's a very nice town. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a vacation town, just skiing and and the summer hiking and, and outdoor activities. So a lot of people go to Bend for you know take a you know weekend trip or, or what have you. So I imagine we'll get out there at some point. I have to do, obviously I have to check out the last blockbuster. Um, but yeah, the, you know, things change. And when the, when I got this stock, when I got into it, and I was being an evangelist telling people, "Hey, you know, you should you should invest, you invest because I thought it was licensed to print money. You know, get your get your ticket for the rocket ship because it's going to take off any day now, any day now. 50 bucks is pretty cheap. Get on a rocket ship." And we all know what happened. I mean, if somebody had had not listened to me then, and said, you're crazy, you don't know what you're talking about. But now, my gosh, instead of, you know, $50 to get on, it's, you know, 30 bucks, 33 right now. Um, in fact, so good, it's funny, I did the other podcast about am I an addict? You know, and I said, well, one of the reasons, one of my arguments why I wasn't an addict was, you know, I had set this limit in my head of, well, this is the amount of stock that we, you know, this is it, this is the goal, and I was able to get there, even though at that point my wife had said, no more, don't buy any more, don't buy any more. And I bought a few more to get us to that limit. But that was it. Then I sort of lost my desire. And I was like, nope, we're there. We're good. We have plenty. Um, well, we, I'd love to have more. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to have more. But, you know, financially, you know, it, we've got a lot tied up in it right now. And, and you know, we just, that's it. We got to, you know, get back to our normal life at some point, depending on, you know, who knows when it's going to squeeze, right? Anyway, um, I was looking at my accounts and I noticed I had enough cash uh, just sitting in one account where I could actually buy a share. I just needed a, a, literally a couple dollars. It was just short. I didn't want to buy a fractional share. I wanted to get a whole share. So I, I put like five bucks into that account and when that came through, I bought that share. Oddly enough, later that day, if I just waited, I wouldn't even needed the five bucks. But you never know. You never know those things. So I, I got that share. And then at the end of day, at the end of the trading day, you know, as this price was still at $32 and change with the earnings call coming up on Monday, I was like, you know, if this thing does rocket back into the 50s, you know, I want a few more shares just to just to get in so I don't regret not buying, not picking up a few more. So I did buy about three more at the end of the day. So who knows, maybe there, there's the argument for, you know, I am an addict that I can't control myself. Um, but again, it goes back to, you know, does the shot go in? You know, it's the end of the game. 
coach draws up the plan. If the player goes out and executes and makes the basket, the coach is a genius. Genius. Give him a 10-year contract. Give him a bonus. If the shot misses, fire him. Fire him. Get rid of it. Just eat the contract. We don't care. Just get rid of him. Get a new coach in there. So on Monday, if the stock goes up to 50 bucks or during the week, goes up to 50 bucks, then you know picking up a few shares at the last minute on, on Friday was a great idea. If they knock this thing down to $25 a share, then it was, you know, was it a bad idea at that point? On that day, at that time, yeah, you could say it's a bad idea, but that's not what we're in this stock gambit for. This is not, um, we're not going, you know, day by day. Um, but it is, it is hard to be, you know, in a hostage situation, like I think we are, where they really control the price and they make those decisions. And that's why I think that, you know, Monday's a big day for us, um, and what better way if you if you had someone and you were going to torture them and like let's say you know Monday was their kid's birthday and you, and they think in their mind you know your your hostage is thinking in their mind they're going to be able to you might let them wish their kid a happy birthday say something to their kid and you kind of set that up and you know they have those expectations and you really want to crush this you know person's spirit um, you would make sure they were totally isolated that day and they never got to say anything. And maybe even made sure you saw, you know, how disappointed your kid was that you didn't even bother to wish them a happy birthday. That that's the that's what you would, you know, that cruelty. And I think for us, what what they probably plan on doing is, you know, and this happens, you know, whether when it's an IPO and everybody's excited about a stock, or there's a big earnings announcement, a lot of time the stock price will go down, and a lot of these shareholders will be like, wait, what? Why? Why is this happening? And it's happening because the people that you know run the stock market they want to make money and they bet they that whatever it's not about your company and your company's success they just want to make money when they figure out the scheme to make money they do it and they don't care if they're hurting you hurting your business they just want to make the money and in this situation um, I you know the hedge funds want to frustrate us so we we have this we have this earnings call on Monday. And why not attack it big time, as much as you can? Everyone's expecting this thing to go into the 50s, the 40s. Take it to the 20s again. Take them to the 20s again. So who knows what's what's going to happen. Um, but it's so predictable what they do that, you know, I was watching, I watched the Dodge Warriors videos because he was, he was in a battle with Lou. Or not Lou, I'm sorry, the Ape Father. He was been a battle with the Ape Father. And I'd never really watched the Dodge Warrior before, but I was watching him. And what he's been doing is the attacks are so predictable that when the stock opens, it usually runs a little bit, it goes up a little bit, and then they do their ladder attacks and they drive it down. And what he was doing was he would sell the stock in the morning when it's at its high, Wait for the ladder attacks where they drive it down, you know, two, two, three dollars, whatever it is. Then he would buy the stock back and increase his shares of AMC. But it was so predictable what it was, what they were doing. He kept doing this. Now, on Friday, he said, don't do it on Friday because, you know, things could get interesting here. He was telling all his viewers to just, you know, hold on to everything. Now, it's hard for me. Now, that sounds great. Wow, you could actually make some money, right? Especially when we're in this holding pattern. It'd be nice or just nice to pick up some extra shares out of thin air. 
My fear is always, well, you would sell it and then it would go up. And then when you buy it, (coughs) excuse me, panic buy it back, you're going to end up with less shares. And that's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything like that. I'm just holding. I buy and hold. I am buy and hold. That's it. Buy and hold. Um, but it's so predictable that uh, what they're doing. Now we do have the verified, you know, vote count, um, the share count, people that go on uh, to, to reg- register their shares and ask their questions and upvote Timothy B's question. And right now, you know, on on Sunday, early Sunday morning. You know, it's still averaging out to about uh, 1,067 shares per voter so far, which would give it, which would put it at, you know, 4.37 billion shares. So still over 4 billion shares if you went by those numbers. Now, a lot of people say that's not statistically accurate. You can't do that. Okay, fine. You know, cut it in half. You're still looking at 2 billion shares. You know, cut it in, you know, a third or a quarter, you know, it's still, uh, you know, a billion, billion and a half shares. Um, still massively overbought. But I was just curious, right? So let's say, and it's 1%, barely 1%, a little over 1% um, that have registered to vote and registered their shares. Um, I think it's... Uh, um, so then you say, well, what about the other 99%? You know, if there's if there's this, you know, 501 million shares and the one percent um, is is representing about, you know, 65 million of those shares. What are, and they're averaging out at, you know, a little over a thousand shares um, a, uh, a stockholder. What's the 99 percent averaging if you wanted to go with if you wanted to stick with that idea that there's only 501 million shares of stock then the other 99 percent would be holding on average about 108 shares um, each which is kind of what they told us before like oh well this is the average each one's holding a little over 100 shares right and i think maybe that's what they had to say because they didn't want to say any they didn't anything else could indicate naked shorts and they could get sued for that blah 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 um, so that's the number they wanted us to believe before. And obviously with the 1% that have registered and voted, that's not anywhere near it. it's 10 times that amount. So who knows? Um, I take con I'm confident in those numbers that the stock's massively oversold, but it's still, you know, not quite good enough. And here's another thing to think about, right? We talk about the ape army holding and everything holding to 500 K. And what that would take from everybody to do that. Everybody would have to hold their shares to get to like 500 k a million dollars a share. And some people say it's not realistic because you have too many people involved. And I think we had a test with this that is good news as it is that we could say, look, you know, every shareholder voting is averaging about a thousand shares. And that's good. But here's what's bad. You know, this has been going around the ape community. And, you know, we've been telling people to vote and do this. Now, some people have difficulty. I heard international, um, you couldn't register your shares. It wasn't working. Certain brokerages, there were issues. And they had to come up with workarounds for that. And good luck with that. It's hard enough getting 
somebody to do something simple, you start adding additional steps, forget it, you know. But even then, it we we only got a little over 1% of the AMC shareholders to vote. And we're only looking at like right now <clears throat> like 6 um like 65 million shares are accounted. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll have 70 million shares accounted for. But imagine if more apes had done this. And I know some people got spooked. They didn't want to register their account because they thought, you know, they'd get hacked, lose all their shares. And there's something to that. I get it. I get it. Um, but whatever the reason is, or just people are out of reach. I think there's this, sometimes you get this idea that the ape army is so, everybody's getting the emails, everybody, you know, everybody gets the Twitter feed, and maybe it is only that 1% that's so active on these message boards and Twitters and watching YouTube videos, and the other 99% made some investments and they don't, they don't even care. It's there, they're, they're, you know, whatever. It's possible, I guess. It's possible. But it makes it, it was it's kind of a missed opportunity that if you had you know if you had half the vote if you had two hundred and fifty million shares of stock represented in this and it still was averaging you know a thousand shares per voter nine hundred shares per voter eight hundred shares per voter seven hundred shares per voter whatever it is that you could still ma- make that case that the stock is massively oversold. It, but we, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, I, 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 I was going to be happy if it got to 100 million shares represented. But there's only, you know, two days left. I guess today and Monday, to get to get into it. And I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you're going to get 40 million shares in those two days. Um, so it, 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 what I'm bringing this up because everybody says, well, everybody's got to hold. Everybody's got to hold. And then you get some people, and look, I'm not trying to bring FUD into this. You know, this isn't deliberate. I'm not getting paid by a hedge fund to bring people down. I'm just being honest and I'm being real that if we only got this many people to, to do something that was so important for the movement, right, What's it going to be like when this thing, if it does start to squeeze, you know? How many people really are going to hold to 100,000, 500, 1,000? I don't know. Is it, st- is it just going to be the 1%? Is it just going to be those, you know, 70,000 people that care enough? Maybe 100, because some people couldn't do it. You know, is it just going to be the 100,000 people that care enough? Or is everybody going to cash out at you know five hundred dollars a share, hundred dollars a share, two fifty a share, and that's it? And the squeeze is going to lose all momentum and fall apart. It's scary. It's a scary thing to think about. Um, but don't. I don't know. It's hard. You know, everybody says hold, hold, hold. I don't know. I would like to have seen more numbers coming in on this. I think it's encouraging what was done, but you know, we are not a monolith. You know, the Ape Army is not a monolith. It's not we're not IBM or we're not some company where everybody gets the company company wide email. <clears throat> you know, I don't know, we'll see. 
But I get confidence from the number, but then it also makes me think I would like to have seen more people do it. And it makes me a little nervous that when the squeeze happens, is everybody really going to hold? Or is it going to kind of, you know, fall apart, break apart, still make money, still make plenty of money? But in your mindset, if you're waiting for $100,000 a share or $500,000 a share, and you let $500 a share go by and it goes down to $400, $300, you know, did you miss your earnings opportunity? And again, I'm not trying to spread fun. I'm just being honest about the numbers um, that was there. It just would have been nice if more people had, had done this, but they didn't. So here we are, we're waiting. It's hard for me because I feel like we're in this hostage situation where they control the number and they don't want us to feel good. They want us to feel anxious. They want us to frustrate us. And that makes the hard, the waiting even harder. You know, it was bad enough waiting when it was at 60, 50. And you're like, oh, when's it going to go up from 50? When's it going to go up from 50? You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you another story. You know, when when this happened, you know, my wife and I obviously were talking about, well, what could we do with the money? And um, we thought, well, we get a bigger car. You know, we have two kids, and it'd be nice to get a SUV with three rows. And we were looking at what was out there, and we kind of liked the idea of getting a hybrid in the uh, Toyota Highlander hybrid. It was one of the cars we were looking at. So I wanted to see what it looked like at the dealership. So I go by the dealership, and of course... You know, they and you asked to look look on the inside, or you know, they you know you build a relationship with a salesperson. And I was honest with the guy. I said, "Look, you know, we, we're invested in AMC, and if it's it's simple, if the stock goes up way high, then we can afford to buy a car. If it doesn't, we can't." I said, "So you can, you know, a lot of times they'll they'll take your number, and um, you know, every once in a while they'll reach out to you." Um, but I told them, I'm like, look, and you know, don't bother unless you see AMC is at you know three hundred dollars a share because we just can't afford to buy a new car. And, we, and quite honestly, we have no reason. We just bought a new car a couple of years ago, and it's fine. It's doing a great job. Yeah, we'd love to have more space. Who wouldn't? But it's a it's a fine car, and, and there's no issue. We don't need to buy a car. Period. Right. Um. So there, it really just is not a realistic. Um. Uh, idea that we're going to buy this car but i told him you know keep keep me in mind make notes that say if amc goes goes above 300 so every once in a while this guy will reach out to me and i'll say look i i don't see amc going any higher but you know we have other options to you know for you if you if you'd like to talk about those and i said no i said no it's we're, we're just not there's no need for us to buy a car right now and um but there's my my toyota salesman who's watching the ticker as well waiting waiting um but at any rate the waiting's the hardest part and i know it's not easy so to my fellow apes out there um you know hopefully we can we don't have to wait that much longer but who knows hang in there hang in there um again you know some of the stuff we can do in the meantime to encourage each other so if you go on twitter like people's tweets it just, it just like I, I always say that, it's like a pat on the back, a high five, you know, slap on the butt just to say, hey, teammate, I see you. I feel you, Abe. I'm out here. I hear you, too. And, and I don't always do it, but I try to. I, you know, to me, it's like a little tip at a restaurant, just something you can give that person. They're trying to spread, you know, good feelings, get people up, get people excited. 
and it's it's something we can do as a community that um, doesn't cost us any money, really. It's you know I know I know the Ape Father wants everybody to buy fractional shares every hour, um, but you can only do what you can do financially. But that's something you can do for free; it doesn't cost you anything, and it just lets it just supports the other apes. And you know when you're scrolling through Twitter and you see tweets and you see a bunch of likes on them, you know hopefully that's encouraging to you that it looks like that hey we're still active, we're still out there, and we're still supporting each other. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend, and here's to a good week um, and a good earnings call, and uh, let's try to get back into the 50s, and I always say this, but who knows, maybe on the next episode we'll be, I'll be talking about the mother of all short squeezes. Thanks for listening.